It's good to be here uh, in Hull. It's my first time in Hull, so I was saying to myself, what does it feel like? Um, um, I moved from London um, to Manchester just about a year and a half ago, so um, I think that you could have just changed the sign and say he was born in London, not based in London. That would have been easier, but nonetheless, it is good, it is good to be here. Um, yes, I had a great uh, honor to have been the guests at the table yesterday with my friends, uh, uh, Chris and Sam. I couldn't get enough of them. And, uh, and of course, you know, I met Uncle Mike as well, and a very exciting uncle as well. And I want to say thank you to Dave and to Ruth for their hospitality. Um, when I arrived at the station, I thought I was going to see a sign. And then suddenly I saw a very worried person coming around the corner. I said, that must be Dave. Uh, <laughs> you've not missed me, and because Ruth has given very clear instructions today, when you arrive, stay behind the barrier <laughs> so that I'm not missing. But it's just good to be in church as well. Uh, I'm, I'm so excited to be here. Um, you know, someone was asking me, do you go around talking? I said, uh, it's felt like it for many years. Um, last weekend I was in Birmingham uh, for the weekend, you know, uh, I was... Um, working alongside the Inclusive Gathering Church, uh, you know, doing a workshop on what the Bible really say in favor of same-sex relationship. And people think, yeah, but the Bible is very clear about that. No, it's not clear. We need to work, you know, together to make sure that we get the message right. Right. Um, you had the reading. There are two readings, one from Psalm and also one from Romans. Um, please bow your head, let us pray. Holy God, we come before you in this moment. We thank you so much for the joy of our gathering, and we ask that we are lifted up in our spirit and in our hearts, that as we communicate, as we share the word this morning, you will be with us and you will guide us, and your spirit will continue to lead us. Amen. Amen. I don't like a quiet church, so you're going to have to work with me this morning. Amen, somebody. Uh, we're going to have to do this again. Amen. Uh, you know, I don't do quiet church. Um, you know, I have had many backgrounds uh, with my own journey as well. I, mean, I grew up in a very African spirituality church in Nigeria, and of course, you know, we spend hours in church. So uh, my, my lovely mom, she's late now. She will wake up very early in the morning to make sure that breakfast, lunch, and dinner was prepared. Because once we go to church, that's it. That's the whole day. So you spend, you know, up to about 10 hours at church because your dad is the pastor, and he has to attend to everybody else. And the service is always long, nonetheless. And of course, you know, we go to church, and we have lots of fun. But of course, you know, as I got older, you know, I then joined the Pentecostal church where we have to praise and worship God and speak in tongues and all kind of languages. Some I believe, some I don't. And, but nonetheless, church is always fun. But now I'm Anglican. Can you believe that? I mean, if I was a church in Anglican, this sermon is 10 minutes. It's 10 minutes, you know. I, mean, I was sharing with my friends yesterday that I had the opportunity to go to, uh, uh, in the U.S., it was 2009 to be precise, and I was invited to three churches on the Sunday to preach. The first church was in the middle of a university in Berkeley, California, and they said to me, Judah, your sermon is 12 minutes. I'm thinking, are you serious? 
12 minutes. What happened to 10, 20, 30 minutes like that? And of course, you know, I delivered the, my message in 11 and a half minutes so that I'm sure I'm within time. And I felt I was being marked for my master's thesis or something like that. Then I got to the second church, which is an African-American congregation. And I remember where I was coming from in the morning. I leant over. I said, how long is my sermon? They said, has the Holy Spirit direct? I said, okay. <laughs> this is going to be a serious matter in this moment. But after about 40-something minutes, I was tired. So I had to wrap everything up. So I am not going to take your time as much this morning. But don't worry. Um, after one hour, you can stop me. Romans chapter 9 tells us, you know, who is it that justifies? Um, let me just get to the book because it's always good to stay close to the references itself. If you have your Bible with you, whether it's on your phone or in paper version like mine, um, let's work together on this one. Too often people ask me, Jude, what do you say to LGBT people? I say to them that God loves them. God cares for each and every one of us. And one of my favorite um, um, illustrations of the acronym JY is God adores you. God accepts you. God anoints you. And I got into trouble many times by saying that. People have said to me in the Anglican church is against the canonical teaching of the church to tell gay people that God loves them. I said, what do you want me to tell them? And someone shouted, God abhor them. And I said, that can be very wrong. So as we approach the book of Romans this morning, Paul was speaking to the Romans when he said, you will say to me then, why then does he still find fault? Many of us come to church, especially those that are in minoritized community, we always find fault in ourselves. There were women who find fault in themselves. I grew up, like I said, in a very African spiritual church. In the African spiritual church, when a woman is going through the monthly circle, they are not worthy to enter into the church premises. They have to stay away for a whole week. And after one week, they come to the church with a bucket of water, lighted candles, and the elders will pray for them to make them clean and whole again. And then they go have a bath, and then they come in considered clean. I thought that is one of the most absurd things that's ever happened, even in my own understanding. Yeah, I was one of those elders that prayed for women, you know, to be cleaned, to be cleansed. But I also went on my own journey of uncleanliness, what I thought was unclean, because when I have thoughts about my own sexuality as a gay man, I felt unclean. So I come to church with a bucket of water and lighted candles. And of course, it was the frequency of that. I said, oh, Jide, is everything okay? Because it seems you're always here every week, you know. But again, you know, the Bible is asking us a question. You would then say, who you will say to them, to me then, why then does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who indeed are you, a human being, to argue with God? Come on now. We have argued with God so many times about who we are. You know, I have my moments as well when I look in the mirror and say, Judah, your stomach is getting bigger. 
but I'm arguing with God. Maybe I should argue with the plates, the food on my plate, rather than argue with God. You know, maybe I should think about something else to do with myself than complain about something that God has blessed me with. You know, and I always recognize that, you know, as a, as a black person, you know, I, was, I, I love this so much, you know. I tell people I'm two years to 60, and they go, no, 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 you cannot be. But I'm, I'm grateful to God for so many things. So I stopped asking questions. I started to focus on the love of God for me. But it didn't come overnight. It didn't happen overnight. And I'll take you on that journey this, this morning. With what is molded, say to the one who molded, why have you made me like this? Whew. How many of you have asked that question? Why have you made me like this? You know, for those of us that are tall, you know, in the supermarket, you know, someone short will come next to can you help me get that item? And you go, excuse me? No. You understand me? We need to recognize the gift of God, you know. I'm sure that the tall person can help the short person and vice versa. I mean, I celebrated my friend recently. It was his birthday just a few days ago. And I remember I took a picture with him and I made sure that I was standing my own height. And he was literally like this. Seriously, and I did like this. And I go, <laughs> yeah, Paul, I'm taller than you. But, you know, this is literally just celebrating all of who we are, whether we are tall or whether we are short. But I'm going somewhere with this message. Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lamb one object for special use and another for ordinary use? God has called us. We're all special. You know, we all have our moments. You know, I grew up in Nigeria where going to church was a, it's a big thing. It's a big deal. You know, we wear our best clothing. We, you know, wear special clothing. Uh, you know, I mean, to be quite honest, you know, in certain communities, you cannot say to people, don't dress up to go to church. You know, but if it's got to a time where, you know, I mean, your tracksuit might cost a thousand pounds, you know, but you're still dressing up, you know. But we know that it's okay to be comfortable when you also go to church as well. You know, special and ordinary all work together for God. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known the power, has endured with much patience the object of wrath that he made for destruction? And what if he has done so in order to make known the riches of his glory for the object of mercy? which he has prepared beforehand for glory. God works in mysterious ways. God is able to remove the pain and the anxiety away from us. God is able to do all things. God is able. I work with so many people that are ostracized or demonized or, you know, facing a lot of depression and stress. I have had to work with so many people that have been through a life of confusion, including myself. Also sharing with my friend just before we started service, you know, I said that I've been ordained three times. I think I'm one more ordination to breaking the Guinness Book of Record of the most ordained. And how did that happen? You know, I grew up in a Christian home, you know, very conservative. My father is both a theologian and a pastor and the principal of one of Nigerians uh, leading theological universities. So I trained on, at my father's university. 
But that training set me on a course, almost on a path of self-destruction. You know, I grew up in church. So, and I always say that the Bible is a good book, but keep it away from people under the age of 18. It can cause a lot of harm. I'm very serious. Leave the children with the children's book. The children's Bible is okay for now. But as you get older and you communicate and you read the Bible, you'll find things that will scare the life out of you. As a 13-year-old, I discovered those passages in Leviticus that says if a man, you know, have relations with another man because I know children now, um, it's an abomination and that they should be put to death. That was harmful. I was a young child in church growing up, still discovering myself. A lot about me. I'm discovering in that moment. But as an older child, as an older person, as an adult, I decided, you know, to pursue theology. So I trained at my father's university. You know, thought that my father should have been my best professor, my best lecturer. But unfortunately, the teaching at his university are very conservative. They literally go against everything that I existed for. So when the Bible is asking us that question, you will say to me then, why then does he still find fault? We find fault in ourselves over and over because we feel that, you know, we're not good enough for God. But God is telling us, come just the way you are. But we need to be protected. We need to be guided. We need that support from the people around us. And I always say this, if you cannot be yourself at home, how can you then be yourself across town? You will get into trouble. But here I am at home, my father's university, going to classes. Every class is a pain. It's a pain because I just couldn't cope. But guess what I did? I did well academically, but I didn't do well in my spiritual guidance, in my spiritual life. I wasn't doing well. And I remember the day of the ordination was such a beautiful day in Nigeria. And of course... It's as if my father was waiting. He actually left me to the last to be ordained so that he can empty the, you know, bottle of anointing oil all over me so that all my academic gown was soaked with oil in his joyfulness that my son is now following in my footsteps. But I remember leaving, you know, that ceremony partly broken because I'm still struggling with my sexuality and it's as if no one is listening to me about what I needed to say. So... I mean, I came back to England, what I was saying at the time, and um, I was still struggling. But five years after my ordination in my father's ministry, this is not about me. I just wanted to draw a point, and I'll make it quick. Five years after my ordination, um, I've been through so many challenges where I've been excommunicated from the church I was going in London um, because of my sexuality. And of course, you know, I was then introduced to another church. Someone gave me the phone number of the Metropolitan Community Church somewhere in London. I said to them, I'm done with church. But I took courage about three or four weeks later to call the church. I said, what's your church about? And that was the beginning of reconciling my faith and my sexuality. So I went to study again. This time at the Pacific School of Religion in Berkeley, California, where I was one of the students that always yelled at the back of the class, like, oh, no! Are you serious? God also meets Adam and Steve? <laughs> you know, those kind of questions. I was screaming. I was, 
I was excited about this newfound theology. And the song that also accompanied that is, Has the deer panted for the water, so my soul longed after you. Because I'm being renewed, you know. Uh, I have taken the time to unlearn what I've learned, you know, in my own growing up. And I, I'm beginning to embody the new anointing, the new wine of this freedom and this liberation that I'm, I am feeling in that moment. But myself and many others have been through so much. Have been through much. You might ask me, Jude, why are you now an Anglican priest? <laughs> I strongly believe that God is calling us to ministry, not just to a community. I strongly believe that there are LGBT people everywhere that need to hear the word of God. And this is where I am going in this moment. In verse 25, it says, Those who were not my people, I will call my people. If I put a flip chart up here and say, can we make a list of who are God's people and who are not God's people, we will see a lot of disparity. But I want to make it clear to everyone today, all of us are God's people. No one has the, uh, the, the, the credentials to decide who is not God's people. You understand me? The LGBT people in our home, our cousins, our aunts, our uncles, our grandparents, our children, our neighbors are all God's people. We don't get to decide who is God's people. But unfortunately, we live in a world where people have decided who is or who qualifies to be God's people. In that verse, it says, and I'll go back just one said, those who were not my people, I will call my people. And I always paraphrase this next part. And those who were not beloved, I will call beloved. Because it is important that people know that they are loved by God. They are loved by God. We don't have an excuse at all as Christians. If your neighbor is Hindu and the other one is Buddhist or they don't believe in anything, when the post person comes, you take the post for them. It doesn't matter what their faith is. You cannot then say, oh, the Bible says that we should not be equally unyoked with unbelievers. No, they are your neighbors, God's people. You don't get the chance to decide who is or not God's people. And that is why I, we're coming up to Christmas where many people will be trepidating about whether or not they go home for Christmas. At the House of Rainbow, we have a ministry where we have an open house over Christmas, we say to people, if you're unable to go home at Christmas, come home to House of Rainbow, and we'll look after you. Make sure you have a good time over Christmas time. Those who were not my people. We've had politicians call LGBT people dogs and animals. We've, we've seen people put out legislation, you know, up to uh, not just criminalization, but also the death penalty because they consider that LGBT are not people of God. But we are faithful people of God. We love to worship God. We love to praise God. And I'm sure you've heard it many times, you know, if we take away all the songs, we sing a song in church that are composed by LGBT persons, there'll be no more songs left. Mm-hmm. Seriously. I mean, you've seen the choir directors, take them out. There's no more directing. But it is so important for us to know this. Those who were not my people, I will call my people. And those who were not beloved, I will call beloved. When we started House of Rainbow in Nigeria 17 years ago, 
call me crazy. I had the great comfort of being in England. You know, um, I had many things at my disposal. You know, yesterday, I think I was talking about privileges. And, you know, uh, I don't do crazy things because I've got privilege. You know, I've been to places that I should not be. But my privilege got me out of trouble. But I often make sure that even though I'm out of trouble, I do not leave people behind in serious trouble. And that is what we have to do with our privileges. Without privileges, we can do a lot. We can begin to talk about God's love for all people. But this is what happened. Um, in situations where we need to talk about God's love for all people, it is important that we are clear about what we are saying to people, that God loves them just the way they are. So in Nigeria 17 years ago, when we started House of Rainbow, you know, we've seen a lot of destitution. And some of the first things we had to do was to invest in things like first aid kit because people would come to church with broken nose and broken arms because they've been attacked on their way there. And it was so important for us to ensure that people are safe. But then again, looking at this passage again, over and over, we say to people that we are dearly beloved children of the living God. And in fact, we even have a bumper sticker to go with that. So that people can be reminded that even scriptures tell us that we're dearly beloved children of the living I want you to live today thinking about that. That you are dearly beloved children of the Your neighbors, your friends are loved by God. And of course, as you know, many people are displaced. Many people have to leave home. And I know that many people that come to my community will often leave their home because of the fear of being themselves. So in verse 26, where it says, In the very place where it is said to them, You are not my people, there they shall be called children of the living God. There is a time that people that have been ostracized will be celebrated. There are times that people will come back home and they will be crowned kings and queens of their own community. So do not feel ostracized. Do not feel that this is the end of it. Do not feel that you cannot be who you are. But I know that it's a journey. Many of us will have had recently you know, some of the news that's coming out of the Church of England where they've granted, you know, uh, same-sex blessing on trial. You know, that word on trial, it just deluded me, to be quite honest. But I believe that it's a good step forward because we need to begin to break down the barriers and begin to say, in the very place where we have been discriminated against, in the very place where we have been ostracized, in the very place where we've been put out, we shall be called children of the living God. My friends, this morning, my hope is that we become the church that is inclusive and welcoming to all people, that we use this opportunity to break down our own prejudices, you know, against ordering others. It is important that we also know that God is working with us at this time to make those changes. Amen.